You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. This is Doc G. Before we get to today's episode with the amazing Carlos Reyes, I just wanted to ask you to do me a favor. We as a podcast are supported by advertisers, and those advertisers want to know something about our audience. Therefore, we've set up a survey. It's really quick and easy. Just go to earnandinvest.com slash survey. Again, earnandinvest.com slash survey. It'll take less than a few minutes. It's anonymous, and it would be really helpful. And speaking of advertisers, I'd like to thank Equity and Help for sponsoring the show. In 2020, I think many of us did a lot of self-reflection. For many, it was around personal growth, maybe career choices, personal finances, you name it. One topic that has really surfaced post-2020 is giving back. How can we make a difference in someone else's life, and is it possible to do good for others while actually making money? Equity and Help grows your capital while helping others and shows how the simple act of investing can make a huge difference to American families. The mission of Equity and Help is to give families the realization of the American dream to own a home of their own when they might otherwise have not been able to. They have already helped almost 400 families find their home. You can speak to a so-called philanthropic investor at Equity and Help. Just visit equityandhelp.com slash podcast. Again, that's equityandhelp.com slash podcast. Hey, this is Carlos Reyes, and you are listening to the Earn and Invest podcast with my man, Doc G. Today on Earn and Invest, we talk about the American dream. With the current social upheaval and call for not only equality but equity, there is much talk of what it takes to be successful in our country in a post-pandemic world. The gap between the rich and poor is ever-growing, yet there are still those who come to the country in search of the American dream. With little but the clothes on their backs and the nourishment in their bellies, they claw their way out of abject poverty and build a life of wealth and abundance. In this far-reaching interview, we discuss with Carlos Reyes the trials and tribulations surrounding his journey onto American soil, how poverty became his so-called X-factor, and how to bring up successful kids in the absence of adversity. I'm your host, Doc G, and this is Earn and Invest. My father-in-law was sitting in the back of his shoe store, tied to a chair with a gun pointed at his chest. And this was not at all what he imagined the American dream that he had striven for all these years was about. You see, my father-in-law came to the U.S. from Iran under political duress in the late 1970s. He brought his wife and three kids and he had been a CFO of a major company in Iran, but when he came to the U.S., his job title didn't really translate. Neither did his education. And in fact, the whole family lived in poverty for years as he struggled to make ends meet. He started a number of businesses. He owned two shoe stores. He did just about everything. And it took until his 60s to truly find success when he bought a large rental building and rented it out for the next 20 years, making a good amount of cash flow and eventually selling it for multiples of what he bought it for. The American dream is still alive and well, but like my father-in-law demonstrates, it's complicated, complex, surely not for the faint of heart. Carlos Reyes was smuggled twice into the U.S. and abandoned when he was a boy to escape severe poverty and abuse. He created a door-to-door -door sales business at age five and applied the lessons he learned from surviving the streets to create 27 companies in multiple industries, including medical, solar, 
software, education, and real estate with seven of his businesses grossing millions of dollars a year. Today, he's on a mission to liberate and heal others from their own limited beliefs. Carlos Reyes, welcome to Earn and Invest. Let's start at the beginning. Tell me about your first hustle. What was your first business that you started? I'm sure it was when you were a little kid. I used to sell uh, bread in Mexico door to door. That was my first hustle. You know, I don't, I don't think it's hard to imagine, like for folks here in, the, in this country, and I, I, this is obviously, I love this country. You know, this is, this is the land of milk and honey for a lot of people, especially people like myself and people like yourself and your, your, you know, your grandfather, right? Was it your grandfather? and My father-in-law. Your father, I apologize. You, you know, it, it, where I come from, it, it's hard to imagine this country. It's hard to imagine the, the paved roads. It's hard to imagine the beautiful buildings. It's hard to imagine the capitalism, right? The, the capitalistic approach that happens in this country. Where I come from, you're talking about dirt roads and dirt floors and laminate roofing and houses and, you know, the structure of the houses, it's almost cardboard like it's very, very hard to explain. And, and that's, you know, I, I had no choice, but at an early age because of my poverty to, to help out, you know, when, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but if you ever visit Mexico, there are kids that are selling gum and other things in Mexico. I don't know if you've ever been down there. Well, I, yeah, I, I fall right under that category. So, I had no choice but to but to hustle as a, as a little boy, you know, going door to door, selling bread, Mexican bread, sweet bread, and that was my first ever hustle or business. Tell me about the story of how you ended up in the United States. Well, you know, I'm very grateful that my mother had the courage, the courage to say, you know what, I I want more for my my sons, I want more for my children. I don't want them growing up in this poverty. I want to be able to provide and give them more because she knew that the kind of poverty we were, we were in, it would have been impossible. We, could, we couldn't even afford school. You know, in Mexico, school costs money. You got to pay for your own stuff. We couldn't, I would have said, I, I think we would have maybe make it to like the fifth grade and then like, that's it. Like it's too expensive. So she brought me over through a sewer system the first time, you know, she brought me over through a border town called San Isidro next to uh, Tijuana, TJ, uh, down by uh, the San Diego County area. That was the first time she ever brought me over as a child. I was in the second grade, actually. Second grade. Yep. Second grade about to uh, go into the third grade. That's when I learned, I started learning English too. I used to stay after school in the second grade and learn English because people used to make fun of me because I didn't know English. I was an immigrant. And uh, I didn't speak any English. English is my second language. I, I speak it uh, very well now. But again, it, it, was, it, was, it was a tough time. Childhood wasn't, I definitely wasn't a Toys R Us kid. You know what I mean? <laughs> I want to talk more about that. But before we do, you mentioned the first time you came through the sewer system. How many yeah. times did you have to make that trip? Three times. So the first time we failed, we came through the sewer system. We got caught. We got thrown out. And then 48 hours later, we tried again and we succeeded. We only lasted in California about two and a half, two and a half, three years max. My mom working the fields, being a single mother, it was way too expensive for her to raise her children. We failed. We, we had to go back to Mexico. Uh, that was a very defeating drive home, right? Her, uh, one of her friends, I remember it was a black Nissan truck and his name was Jamie or Jaime in Spanish. This guy's giving us a ride and we're just kind of crying and we're defeated because, you know, we went through a lot to get there, right? So imagine now you only last two and a half, three years, you're going back to Mexico. You're like, oh man, you know, this is, this is not what we hoped for, but man, like God is so great. You know, we, we, we went back and we had a plan. Like my mom said, Hey, you know, cause once you have a taste of this country, you're, you're not going to want to live anywhere else unless you're living like in Hawaii and retired. We came up with the plan and, you know, now at this, at this time, now I started bagging groceries as a, as a child and she started working at the resorts at a hotel in, in San Carlos Bay. So she's cleaning the hotel rooms. Um, I'm bagging groceries. We're putting our money together and now we're going to send her to Phoenix, Arizona. We send her to Phoenix, Arizona. She comes to get me a year later. And this time I sneak through a hole in the fence in the border of Nogales, Sonora. So three 
three times. Well, I attempted three times, but I was successful two out of three. So it's not a bad percentage. You talked about the fact how, why wouldn't you want to be in the United States? Comparing to dress a little bit being poor in Mexico compared to being poor in the U.S. You obviously experienced both. There's absolutely, I've been poor. I've been poor in this country. And believe me, you know, I'm talking food stamps. I'm talking, you know, cash assistance from the government. I'm talking WIC. So housing assistance from the government. And I mean, there's no comparison. You know, you're here. If you're poor, you, you still have a roof. There are shelters that give out food over there. If you're poor, you're on the street. You're on the street like a dog. You're, you know, there's, it's people are too poor to even help you. So imagine that, like when you're poor over there, you're poor. Like you're, 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 you got, you got an uphill battle for sure. There's no comparison. As I listen to you, it strikes me how optimistic you are when it sounds like it was pretty rough when you were a kid. What did being poor teach you? Well, it gave me a really high uh, tolerance for risk. Give me a, it gave me a, a high tolerance for adversity. It gave me a obsessive work ethic, right? It, it taught me everything, everything I am today. I, you know, I, I, this is, I actually own this building. I, I paid several million dollars for this building that I just showed you. I wouldn't have been able to get here if I didn't have the journey that I went through. I mean, who knows? You know, what if I, what if I would have grew up, you know, the way that my, I got an eight-year-old daughter, I got a two-year-old daughter and I got to make sure that they don't grow up entitled. I mean, I'm dropping my daughter, my third grader off in a Rolls Royce, you know? So, right. So for her, it's like, where do I go up from here? You know, it's like my dad drops me off in a Rolls Royce and a Porsche Cayenne Turbo. It's like, where do, where do I go up from here? So I have to make sure that I at least give them the programming because they're not going to have my adversity. You know, my, my poverty was my adversity and my adversity was definitely my X factor. So again, I'm very grateful for, for the, 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 the suffering and the pain that I went through now, but I definitely wasn't grateful. I was optimistic during that time. I have this old saying, your current situation is not your final destination. I, I actually, that's a, that's, that's a saying that I have from experience. So it taught me a lot, brother. Yeah. As you talk about your children, I think of a saying from shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations. This, this idea that the first generation is in shirt sleeves because they're the workers, right? They're putting in the hard work. The second generation is much more refined. They're not the workers. They're more wealthy. But by the third generation, because of the lack of adversity, you're back to shirt sleeves. And I know that must be up front in your mind as you're bringing up your children, worrying about making sure that they have all the benefits of the work you've done, and yet they feel enough adversity to go after life the way you have. Uh, let me let me let me recommend this something that's working for me. I pay well over six figures for personal development, not only for myself, but also for my third grader and my wife. So you can reach out. Uh, there's Tanya Oliver out of Florida. You know she she she's one of our mentors. Jeremy Wilson out of Sedona. He's one of our mentors. And again, why do I make that investment every month? So I don't run into that. You know, I want to program them the right way now. Not and, and, and you know, I don't ever want to leave my my wife behind on a emotional intelligence level and on a you know uh, mindset level. So this is something that this is an investment. That's the best investment I ever made. Was yeah, I, I've invested a lot of money into myself now, right? But the best investment I ever made for anybody out there that could afford personal development or mentorship for themselves and their family, I strongly encourage them to do so because my life since I started, I started doing this in March of 2019. My life has dramatically improved at home with my family. Uh, my wife has grown so much. My third grader, she's so well developed to where instead of two sessions a week now, she only has one session a week with her personal development coach. So I strongly suggest for anybody out there that has a family and could afford to invest some money into uh, personal development, I, I, I would do so for sure. I, I do it and it's the best investment I've ever made in my life. I want to use that framework to go back and look at you and your childhood. Cause obviously at that point, you couldn't afford personal development. You couldn't afford I couldn't to afford pay someone to teach you this yeah, stuff. I couldn't afford food. So 
one thing I've learned is people like you who have a big drive, if they just get a little whiff of success, they usually take off. So tell me about some of your childhood successes, especially when it came to business and making money. You know, I was always a workhorse. My mom, through demonstration, right? Like my mom might have been poor. My mom, she was alone. She, I grew up with a single mom. She left my father because he was abusive and an alcoholic. But I'll tell you what, her programming didn't come on a mental aspect, but she never told me, you can't do this. I'm very grateful for the mother that I have. Why? Because she never told me I couldn't do something. She believed in me. You know, she believed in everything. I used to tell her as a five-year-old kid, mom, one day I'm going to have a business and I'm going to help you. And guess what? I retired my mother in 2017. Retired her, right? My promise to her is fulfilled. Here we are, right? Like decades later. But I was able to see her work her butt off. So through demonstration, what was I, as a child, what was I able to see? I saw that she was a risk taker. I saw that she was a visionary. I saw that she had a crazy obsessive work ethic. And I also saw that she never gave up. So once you put all that programming and mind frame into a child that grows up with adversity, and then that child comes to this country and that child sees opportunity, well, guess what? Now, right? Preparation and opportunity equals success. And that's, that, that's where I am today. Not only preparation and opportunity, but also being involved with the right people. So you mentioned the effect your mother had on you, but there were also, I'm sure, mentors and partners Absolutely. along the way. You hooked up with Sal fairly early on. Is that right? Brother, I, I strongly suggest that at some point you get that, that, that person on your podcast. He's a, you know, he was born in Iraq. He's a Christian who was persecuted out of Iraq. What are the odds of a Mexican immigrant and an Iraqi immigrant meeting in Phoenix, Arizona and creating something amazing? You know, what are the odds of that? You know, and yes, if it wasn't for my business partner, I would not be in the position that I am today. You know why? Because we we have grown together, like from the dirt, you know, from the trenches, we have the same, we're equally vested financially into every venture that we take on. We're equally vested with our time. Okay. And we're equally vested with our energy and effort. So it works. Our partnerships work, you know, it works. And and two minds are better than one and four hands are better than two. So, you know, do the math, right? It compounds over time. Everything we do compounds and we have an edge. We have an advantage over the next person. So yeah, my business partner, obviously, you know, we, we've been able to build what we've been able to build 27 companies actually across different sectors, solar, medical, digital uh, marketing, data, software, real estate, education. I mean, it's all over the place, right? But I'll say this, he definitely play, plays, still plays to this day, a pivotal role with everything. But once I started making some, you know, a good amount of, of money, I was able to hire experts in their respective fields, right? I have a billionaire mentor who, uh, who made his billions off development, outdoor malls. You know, he, he, he came up with the concept of outdoor malls. I have a spiritual mentor who is a, uh, a pastor and he's a thriving businessman now out of Tampa, Christian Ferris. And then I have my two personal development mentors, Tanya and Jeremy. So of course, people play a, you know, a role in, in my growth, for sure. And, and just to show how far you guys have come together, did I rewrite that you both started flipping cars together? Is that how yeah. you got involved to start with? Yeah, we used to go to the auction and, and flip cars, make a few thousand dollars a car. And now we make a lot of money off houses. You know, that's like our baby. That was, so our, our real estate venture is what funded everything else. Like to this day, you know, that, that's our, that's our first love, you know, our, once we started making good money in real estate, we started to build or buy other companies. So I'm listening to your story and it sounds like you're quite the entrepreneur, but weren't you in corporate America for a while? Like, why did you go to corporate America as opposed to start these ventures kind of well, as your sole job? I was an intra, I was an entrepreneur at that time. I was the ultimate yes man. I was helping this company grow. I came in with this company a year once they were only a year out. And then I, I helped them, you know, build in different states. I helped them bring different streams of income, different revenue to the table. And I just got comfortable. I got comfortable. 
You know, I mean, think about it, right? Like you got this Mexican kid who's never seen money his whole life or good money. And then he starts making decent money. He starts to acquire, you know, okay, a couple cars here and there, you know, a house, right? And and, and you get comfortable. You get comfortable of, of being fed. You know, that's what I, I really, you know, you're not hunting really at that point. You just got to show up and, and do your job, right? Not when you're an entrepreneur. When you're an entrepreneur, you, you become a hunter, right? You you create money out of thin air. So totally two different spectrums, right? But I, I, I again, I got comfortable. I didn't know what vehicle I was going to take on to get me to success. I, I, I didn't know. So it, it took me a while. And, and you know what? I'm very grateful that I was in corporate America because I learned so much. Corporate America was my, my university. You know, I was able to learn how to hire, how to fire, how to train, how to develop, how to put structure in place, right? How to, you know, how to look at, you know, numbers, key performance indicators, metrics, Every, I learned so much. I learned so much. I'm very grateful. Now, I did stick around uh, a few years more than I had to, but nonetheless, I don't regret it. It seems to me you've now built a number of successful businesses. Talk to me a little bit about where entrepreneurs go wrong, because there's a lot of budding entrepreneurs listening with us right now. What big mistakes do they make? Well, where do we start? Right? It's not just one. One, they neglect a lot of other areas in their life. When we start making money, we become super obsessed with growing our businesses, but we stop growing as people. And success will never outgrow the individual. So that's a huge thing. Entrepreneurs, they get comfortable. We get comfortable. We stop, we stop seeking for more. You know, we we stop. And we're like, oh, we're very successful businessmen, but how's your family life? How's your health? How are your relationships? Do you have joy in your life? See, that's where a lot of people go, go, go sour. I mean, how, how many entrepreneurs have you seen that have divorces, broken families, their health has gone to crap, right? Think about that. We neglect so many areas of our lives. A lot of entrepreneurs go wrong there. We stop trying to grow. Listen, you don't always have to grow vertically, right? And, and monetary, monet, monetary, you can grow in other areas. Like, oh, you know what? I'm 15 pounds overweight. Okay. Let me, let me start working on that. Let me hire a personal trainer. Let me hire a nutritionist. Let me at least work out four times a week. Boom, right? Hey, you know what? My, uh, my family has suffered a few years because I've been building this. Well, let me spend quality time with them, not quantity, quality time with them. Let me show them that I love them every single day, right? Again, stop. we need to stop neglecting other areas in our lives. So that's where they go wrong. That's where we go wrong. So physical health, mental health, financial health, they're all connected. They're all, it's the alignment, brother. You know, it's a line. It's all aligned. Let's talk a little bit about limiting mindsets. I, I know that limiting beliefs hold people back, and this is a topic that you're very familiar with. What's going on out there? Why are we shooting ourselves in the foot? Well, I think everybody. So it, there's everybody at some point has a limited limited belief. Everybody at one point has a limited mindset. Anybody out there that says they were born Superman, they're definitely lying. We all go through it. We all go through it, but it's those that have the courage to believe in themselves, right? And believe in their, you know, the purpose on what they're here to do. And those folks that have that strong, that driver, you know, that, that motivator, those are the people that actually overcome these fears, these uncertainties and these doubts. That's it. We all have the same thoughts. You know, you don't think that when I quit corporate America, I was scared out of my mind for the first few months. Absolutely. This was new to me. I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to make money? Right. Oh man, I'm not, I was so used to like that biweekly paycheck, you know, on Fridays. Right. I was so used to clocking in and and getting paid, you know? So everybody goes through these beliefs and these thoughts. It's, it's, you know, what it comes down to brother is something that I did and I'm, I'm hopeful that it's, it's helpful to people out there that are listening right now. Whenever I would have these limited thoughts, these limited beliefs, right? I would just counter them with good thoughts. Bad thought came in. I would counter it. I said, no, you're going to do this. You're going to make it. Things are going to be great. Give, Give it some time. Keep pushing. Keep working. Don't give up. So then it comes down to like, which thoughts are you choosing to entertain? Right? Your mind is, is, is your mind's creation. It's, it's literally intended for survival. Your mind is, is thinking of worst case scenarios all day long. Well, guess what? You have the choice to counter that with 
best case scenarios. And then you have the choice to, am I going to entertain the worst case scenario or am I going to live and entertain best case scenario? So at some point, these things will happen to everybody, but the people that don't give up because of these limited beliefs, the people that have the courage to overcome these limited beliefs, those are the people that end up thriving. Yeah, it goes back a little bit to our conversation about your kids and adversity. I've noted that people who come from adversity like you are very used to saying, ah, oh, forget limited beliefs. I've been there before. I've been at the worst. I've been you at just got to put your head down and keep going. But a lot of people who have not grown up in adversity have a hard time bucking heads with this idea that there's something I can or can't do. The mind is a muscle. It's like the more proof of concept that you give it, right? Oh, I want to create a medical company. And then you create it. Guess what? Your mind's going to start to believe that you can do anything, right? Proof of concept, proof of concept. I want to do this, done. Want to do this, done, right? That's just the way it works. People need to understand that, that the mind is a muscle. And, you know, you, the more that you train it and the more that you show proof of concept to, to your mind, your mind stops doubting you at some point. It stops the doubt. Like if, if I really put my mind to building a specific something, it's more than likely going to happen if it's, if it's obviously within my capabilities, right? With my capabilities and my skill set, it's going to happen. At an early point in my career, doubt, fear, and uncertainty, were at, they were at an all-time high. And then I started, I started proving it wrong and proving it wrong. And over time, I, you know, I, I just grew rhino skin. I became stronger. One thing you also talk a lot about is sacrifice. Are you seeing young people today, young entrepreneurs, are they willing to sacrifice and do what it takes? Very few. Again, you know, we, we live uh, in an era, uh, in an age of entitlement. Oh, you know, I want this, but I'm not willing to give up this. I want the successful business, but I'm not willing to give up my weekends and, and my, you know, my, my hobbies, you know, my hobbies that I'm doing right now. I'm not willing to sacrifice time with my family. I'm not willing to sacrifice television, right? So that, that's just, people are not willing to sacrifice. If you just commit, right? Because when you commit, you, you, you're going to sacrifice things. If you just commit, you'll, you'll begin to figure out the rest. Just, just commit. And, and people aren't willing to commit because when you commit, right? When you truly commit, the sacrifices just come naturally. That, that's just what happens. I strongly suggest people out there that are listening that it's going to, you know, you you have to make the sacrifices to to try to live your ideal life. This doesn't come easy, but when it comes, it is the absolute best thing in the world. You only live once, you know, make the sacrifices now. The sooner you do it, the sooner you get out the way, the better you're going to be. You know, the rest of your life will definitely be the best of your life. So make the sacrifice now. Let me reintroduce you. We're talking about the American dream with the ultra-successful businessman and real estate entrepreneur, Carlos Reyes. He has created 27 companies in multiple industries, including medical, solar, software, and education, with seven of his businesses grossing millions of dollars. We'll be back in a moment. I'm Doc G, and this is Earn and Invest. All right, so most of us know the bad news already. If you were using Mint as a budgeting app, it has shut down. But the good news is there's something better, and it's called Monarch Money. I started using Monarch Money myself about five months ago, and I knew immediately that I liked it more than any other budgeting app I had ever used. For one, it focuses on collaboration. This is easy to share with your spouse, your partner, your financial advisor. And it's aspirational. Not only can you look at your current budget, but what do you want to buy? What do you want your goals to be? You can focus on those in Monarch Money. It's the next generation of personal finance apps. Monarch is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Furthermore, you can create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash earn. Again, that's monarchmoney.com slash E-A-R-N. What I like about this app is it's intuitive, easy to use, quick to sign on. It's collaborative, as we talked about. It's customizable. The idea is you can use this app the way you want to use it. 
And the reason why is the Monarch Money team is customer focused. They are focusing on you, me, and all the other people who want to use this app to live a better financial life. After trying out Monarch Money for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com earn. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash E-A-R-N for your extended 30-day free trial. Wish you were in early on some of the best performing IPOs of 2019 and 2020. Our crowd investors were, and now you can join them in what's next. With our crowd, accredited investors have access to invest directly, easily, and most importantly, early. Our crowd investors have benefited from our crowd companies IPOing like Beyond Meat or being bought by companies like Intel, Nike, Microsoft, and Oracle. Right now, you can join our crowd's investment in Sayata Labs, revolutionizing the $100 billion small and mid-sized business insurance market with seamless tech that empowers brokers to easily find the right solutions. Sayata Labs' innovative InsureTech solution has already attracted six of the top 10 U.S. brokerages to its client list and its growing revenue at a 10 times annualized rate year over year. You can get in early on Sayata Labs and other unique opportunities at rcrowd.com slash EAI. If you're interested in investing, you need to join rcrowd. The rcrowd account is free. Just go to O-U-R-C-R-O-W-D dot com slash E-A-I. Welcome back. Carlos Reyes was smuggled twice into the U.S. and abandoned when he was a boy to escape severe poverty and abuse. He created his first business in door-to-door sales at age five. Before the break, we discussed his early attempts at making money while growing up in poverty. Carlos, as I listen to you, I think about how expansive you are when you talk about building businesses, building your family, building your physical health. Is there ever a point where you think you'll hit enough How will you define that? Will there be a time when you don't have to be as expansive anymore? You know, my, my mindset is you're either growing or dying. There's only, I mean, the only time I ever really get frustrated is when I feel stagnant. That's when I get, so I, I, Oh, brother, believe me when I tell you, I'll find something. I'll find something to, to grow. You know, <laughs> how come? How come I believe that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I'll find something, right? I don't care. Maybe I'll go and, and spend three months with monks in Tibet. You know, it's like I'll find something to continue to grow. You can never stop growing. You know, you can never stop growing. So you can measure your 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 growth. You can give it a monetary uh, number. You can give it a. You, you can do your health with you know pounds that you lose right? How you feel, how you look, your, your mind, you know, with, with the amount of books that you read every week. So it, it, growth never stops. It's never going to stop. So no, I, I don't believe that. God willing, God willing, I don't, I don't get there for sure. Tell me about a recent goalpost or a recent form of growth you've had lately that you're especially proud of. January of 2020, I was on top of a mountain in San Francisco, overseeing the ocean with my wife, my soulmate. And I prayed to God. And I said, Lord, I, you know, I'm your vessel. Use me as you will. I'm fully at your disposal. And then I just started getting on some pretty big stages. You know, I got on a stage at Thrive. There was people like, you know, Eric. I don't remember his last name, but the hip hop preacher, Ty Lopez was on that stage. Steve Aoki, Joe Marion. I mean, uh, so many people were on that stage, right? And I made it to the stage. You know, I made it to that stage, right? I was able to get on the Andy Frisella podcast, and that was a milestone for me. I was able to do the Brad Lee podcast. I, I love Brad. He's an amazing person. Soon I'm going to be on the Patrick B. David podcast and the Jordan Belfort podcast. So I believe that, you know, I, I had somewhat of a goal to grow my brand. I, I definitely overexceeded my expectations in that area. Thank God. Now it's like, I don't have a hunger. It's not like, I'm not hungry. Like I'm not one of these guys that want the spotlight, right? No, I just want to get my message out there. That's it. I don't, I don't care, you know, if you recognize me at the store or not. That's not really my thing. I don't even go to the store. You know, we do Instacart, you know, so, right. So it's not, I'm not in this for the fame. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in this for, for the significance. I want to live a life of significance. Let's talk a little bit about what you're teaching the people who come to your website, who listen to your content, what is the all in movement? God, family, hustle. I actually have a hat right here. Look, so God, family, hustle. That is the all in movement there. What we do brother is we teach people how to thrive in 
all aspects, all areas of life, not, not just real estate, not just business. We want to teach them how to be the best fathers that they can be, the best husbands that they could be, the best brothers or siblings that they can be, the best sons or daughters that they can be. We want them to also live a life of significance. So it's so much bigger than just money. It's so much bigger than just business. If you ask anybody in our community, they, they, it's, it's different. It's different. I, I, I'll say it. there's no community like this. We attract like-minded people, you know, because you attract who you are. And the people in our community are absolutely, I mean, they love our community. We just had a mastermind in La Jolla, on, you know, on this, this $5 million property that oversees the ocean on, you know, cliffside. There was 25 people there from one of our masterminds. We connected, right? We connect. We, we talk about the stuff that really matters in life. Yeah, we talk business. We talk strategy. But we talk about, you know, our children. We talk about, you know, how we're showing up every day as people. So that's what the all-in movement is. Tell me what types of people are in your community. These, these folks have death. They have death. They have spiritual. They have spiritual death. They have mental death for sure. They're, they're just like us. They're, they're servants. They operate from a place of abundance. You know, they, they operate with joy and love. I know this sounds very surreal. This isn't like the Wizard of Oz, you know, or, or Oz, right? But th- these are just the kind of people that we attract. It, it's beautiful. It's amazing. So wouldn't have it any other way. I've noticed you've used the term spiritual multiple times. Tell me how spirituality plays a role in not just this community, but in building businesses. I believe that spirituality gives you a sense of purpose. Spirituality gives you a sense of purpose. When you're connected to the greatest, the most powerful source, you're going to have that, that, that energy, that purpose, that drive to not only thrive in your own life, but to serve, to serve others. When you come from a, a good place, you know, spiritually, you not only do you attract the best ventures in your life, but you attract the best people in your life and you get to serve a lot of people and then they begin to serve you. And it's, it's a big exchange of servanthood. Speaking of serving, tell me a little bit about the Help a Friend Foundation. So the Help a Friend Foundation was created to help families in financial distress. So it's a a nonprofit, you know, whenever families can't pay electricity, water, rent, they need food, we want to be there. We want to be there. We want to help. We want to serve. So that, I mean, we've always been giving people. But, you know, money only amplifies the person you are, right? So we said, hey, how can we, how can we give on a massive level? And how can we make it a win-win to where it's also a tax reduction, right? Which is not like a crazy tax reduction, but again, it's a win-win. You, you get to help and serve. We were helping and serving before the nonprofit, right? And, and there's a lot of things that we do outside of the nonprofit that we don't discuss. But the fact of the matter is with that profit, it's more, there's more structure to the serving. So it sounds like you've created quite an empire, quite a family of businesses and community. What did you get wrong? Looking back, what do you think you could have done better as you stand where you are today? So that, that's the thing, right, brother? Our, our, our companies make well over eight figures a year, but we're, we're just getting started. Imagine, we're babies in this game. Like, you know, we got four more companies that are coming out here in the next 60 days. They're uh, software companies. And at some point, I, I mean, I just want to see where it goes. I'm never, we're never going to stop. God willing, if we have our health, we're never going to stop, right? So the empire that you speak of is, we haven't arrived. Like, I don't, I'm not here, like, I don't feel, I, and there's not a day in my life that I feel like, oh, eh, I don't have to do anything today. That's just not in our DNA. We have not arrived. So who knows where it's going to go? Who knows, you know, who knows where it's going to go, but we're excited to continue to build and continue to grow. Do you have some specific goalposts set up in the future that you're really looking forward to? So it's 2021, 2021. I want to reach, I would say by 2023, I definitely want to be grossing our companies combined. I want to hit the nine figure mark for sure. We can use that as a measurable, right? But more importantly, it's like, how many lives will we impact by then, right? We've already impacted thousands. How many lives will we impact by then? That's another way to really measure your reach, you know, measure that metric. 
So I, I can't wait to see what that, you know, what the future holds, you know? I mean, I'm, I'm living in the present, in the present. I love the present, but I know that there's good things ahead, God willing. When you mention impacting lives, you're talking about your foundation work. Are there other ways in which you feel like you're giving back? Well, I mean, anytime that you're, there's so many different ways of serving, right? Being on this podcast and, you know, having, giving content to people that could, they can take one thing and run with it. That's a form of serving. You know, if you change that, that, that you can change a life there, right? Financially serving. Yes. Always you can serve, you know, people around you, those closest to you and you can serve strangers. That's what help a friend. Right. But, you know, serving comes in so many ways, serving, serving, brother, serving can be just picking up the phone, calling an old friend and saying, Hey brother, how's it going? How, you know, is there, how, how can I be here for you today? Like, right. People think serving is like, Oh, I gotta like, you know, do a podcast or, you know, create content. You can literally pick up the phone and see how another person, like how you can actually help that person or how you can be there for that person. That's serving. So I, I, I know for a fact that I can sit here, like look at you down the high and tell you that I don't remember the last day that I didn't serve someone outside of myself in some way, shape or form. And that means the world to me because how can my, how can I have a bad life if I'm serving every day? Right. If I'm, if I'm like, I'm putting this energy out there every day. So it's a beautiful thing. We talked earlier about your kids and how they're involved in coaching. What other ways are they getting involved in your businesses? My daughter has definitely launched some ventures. She's eight years old. She's a third grader. She has sold bracelets, right? She has sold cookies, right? So (laughs) my daughter is uh, definitely, she's an entrepreneur and her niche is arbitrage right now. She (laughs) buys low and she sells high. So I love watching her do that. I think she's definitely going to be a leader and a businesswoman. And I'm, I'm here. I'm here to support her. I'm here to rule her. And I'm here to, you know, keep, keep the legacy going. How important do you think college education specifically is going to be for budding entrepreneurs like your kids? Well, I'm going to start doing some creative type of schooling, some type of curriculum at home. I, I don't, not that I don't believe in the educational system, but the educational system doesn't teach you how to be an entrepreneur yet, right? I believe that there might be, there might be two universities that do it, but I'm more, you know, I'm more concerned in expanding her critical thinking. So if she chooses to go get an education, great. But if she chooses to jump straight into business, I, I mean, that would be hypocritical of me to, you know, to stop her. So we'll see where she is. I mean, I'm not going to force her to do anything, right? I will, we'll see how she grows. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how she evolves as a person. And if she wants to, if she wants to be a doctor, then guess what? You got to go to school, right? But if you want to be an entrepreneur, you really don't have to go to school. Well, Carlos, the one thing I think is clear to anyone listening to us right now is that to be successful in this world, you've got to have the will. And I think you're a perfect example of what the American dream can be. Not always pretty, definitely not always easy, but attainable if you're willing to sacrifice and work. It is a message that I heard over and over again from my father-in-law as I watched him struggle with his American dream. It's wonderful to see you doing so well and to see these businesses you are building. I want to end this episode the way I end every episode by asking you what's up next in your life. And if people are interested in learning more, where can they find you on the internet? Um, at Carlos Reyes, C-A-R-L-O-S-R-E-Y-S, at Carlos Reyes, uh, my Instagram. I'm very active on there. Just reach out, direct message me. I'm, I'm never going to be too big for, you know, too big for my bridges, you know? I, I, I come from nothing. So I don't care if I buy a private jet in the next two years, you know, I, I'm, I, you know, it's, I'm never going to be too big to treat another human being like a human being. So reach out to me, you know, direct message me. If, there, if there's any way that I can serve, I'll, I'll definitely do it. This has been the earn and invest podcast on behalf of myself, doc G I'd like to thank Carlos Reyes. That's a wrap. 
Are you enjoying the conversations we're having here at Earn and Invest on every Monday and Thursday? If this is the case, I'd like to invite you to join our Facebook group. The easiest way to get there is go to earnandinvest.com slash Facebook. Again, that's earnandinvest.com slash Facebook. On the group, we discuss the episodes, personal finance, finance in general, the economy, you name it. We talk about it there. It's a great place to touch base with other people in the community and get to know what's on people's minds, tips, tricks, what's happening, what's going on. You can find it all at the Facebook group. That's earnandinvest.com slash Facebook. I was listening back to this episode with Carlos and wondering what you all in the community felt about his commitment to paying for coaching for his children. We talk a lot about how we use our resources and what we need to make not only ourselves, but our kids successful. Now, Carlos specifically speaks about spending large sums of money to coach his children to prepare them to be successful. In fact, he says adversity and poverty were his X factor. His kids aren't going to grow up with that, much like my kids won't. So the question is, how do we give them that skill and that drive when they grow up with, I hate to say it, but luxury, when they grow up with food readily prevalent, nice cars, big homes, how do you keep them quote unquote hungry? I have mixed feelings about this because there's no question that I think we should invest in our children, but I also think childhood is a time for kids to somewhat figure things out for themselves, for them to learn their own lessons and to gain knowledge through trial and error. I have mixed feelings. Do I want to take my 13 and 16-year-old and hire them coaches and teach them about success and doing well in business and getting ahead in school, or do I want them to be out there and exploring these things for themselves. It's a major question I think many of us face. It's one thing if you are struggling to make it and don't have enough money to even consider these extra things. But if you get to the point where you have some financial freedom, what better way to spend your money than on your kids? I know for my kids, we do some of this. You know, we are more than happy to get them tutors or coaches for national testing, those kind of things. On the other hand, we don't really pay for mindset coaches um, or personal development coaches. And in fact, I hate to say it, but I've been hesitant in paying for those things for myself, which I think in some ways is silly because certainly to build either a business or a successful podcast or what have you, it probably helps to spend some money investing in yourselves. But it's a whole other thing to do it on your children. Carlos has given us quite a bit to think about in this episode. His story is incredible from being smuggled into the U.S. as a kid to owning and running multiple seven-figure businesses Adversity, poverty were his X factors. I guess the big question is what will be yours? Do you have any questions? No, sir. I appreciate your time today. How, how do we connect anyway? Um, you had a podcast booker who sent me your name. Okay, beautiful. And so your story definitely caught my attention just because of what you went through during childhood, right? I mean, you clearly had to deal with some crap, some really hard, hard stuff. And uh, I think I've that's had, unique. I've had, to, I've had to do a lot of work uh, to peel back those layers and uh, and face those, you know, those dark times, those shadows, you know, uh, in the personal development, uh, with my personal development journey. I, ha- I had to. I had anxiety because of it. Um, I, you know, depressed at times because of it. Um, I, you know, I did it. My, my, my feelings were numb because of it at some point. So in order for me to really be, I'll tell you what, it, it, it didn't serve me peeling back these layers. Um, it didn't serve me so much on the business side, but it served me a lot as a father and a husband. And that means the world to me. Yeah. And it's, you know, the problem comes out is you can be as successful as you want in business 
it's never going to fully make you happy, right? You get that high, that happiness, knowing you can support yourself, having the you know material things you need. But until you cover that other stuff, nope. it's somewhat limiting, you right? right? You are absolutely right, brother. And um, I strongly suggest that, obviously, if anybody has ever had to deal with uh, trauma in their life, you know, run to it, go to it, deal with it, go get it, right? Go, go peel back the layers and, um, you know, love yourself, you know, don't judge yourself, love yourself. So uh, these are things that I had to do in my journey. And uh, I strongly encourage everybody else to do. Yeah. It's always to me uh, fascinating because like, I'm listening to your story, right? You were going through sewers to get to the U S you were climbing through fences. You know, no one wants their child to have that type of trauma. On the other hand, imagine having my children do that. On the other hand, it created in you this force of nature that would not let you not be successful. Absolutely. It's such a hard line, right? And and I think immigrants always have this issue because the, the, the first generation who comes here deals with the most difficult, complicated stuff to build a life in the U.S. And then they have these kids who and, are completely yeah. disconnected from what yes. it took. Yes. And uh, that's hard. I want these- to try to avoid that. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing with, you yeah. know, paying for, for development for them. Um, I, I don't want them to like ruin everything that we're building, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like my, well, my, my wife's, yeah, my wife's father, you know, they came in poverty. They had to do food stamps and all that kind of stuff. Right. And now, you know, their grandson, my son drives around in a Tesla because I bought a Tesla for work. And mm-hmm. now he's 16 years old and he's driving around in a Tesla. And it's that disconnection, right. Between coming from Iran under duress, he was arrested, put in jail. They got out of jail. He had to run to Italy to get a visa, come to the U S he lost all everything. He owned all his wealth was lost in Iran to come to us. But then to compare that to my son who lives in this nice house and we have nice cars and he's 16 year old and has a driver's license and has a car ready for him to take when he needs it. And I was like, yeah, balancing those two and keeping those stories alive. And that's why that's, that to me is, is part of the reason I wanted to have you on the podcast is I only think by keeping those stories alive, do we remind the next generations of who they are and what they came from? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what? I think something that I'm going to build at home, I'm going to build like a legacy tree, yeah. you know, starting with, uh, starting with, I'll probably start it with like my grandfather, you know, I'll start it with maybe him or I'll start it with my mother and then I'll go from me that way, that way my family, my future generations can actually respect that, you know, like where they come from and what it took, what it took, all the work and all the blood and all the sweat and all the tears um, that way they never forget. But again, that's why we have to program our kids correctly. Yeah. 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 And that's why well, they hear your stories, right? That's why absolutely. they know. Absolutely. It feels really good to be productive, but a lot of the time it's easier said than done, especially when you need to make time to learn about productivity so you can actually, you know, be productive. But you can start your morning off right and be ready to get stuff done in just a few minutes with the Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day podcast. New episodes drop every weekday, so listen and subscribe to Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts. That's Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts. The corporate world is like the ocean. It's alluring, but it's also full of deadly creatures that can shred you to pieces. It becomes kind of like a Game of Thrones political arena where everyone's trying to murder you to get your job. My family doesn't come from corporate backgrounds, so I didn't have any sort of guidance in that. This is not your typical work podcast. Sometimes you need to be empathetic. And then there are times that you ask for input, but you don't really give a shit. <laughs> Listen to the Ambi Award-nominated podcast, Surfing Corporate. <laughs> Stretch opportunity. What is this, yoga class? Get out of here. <laughs> 